Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live or connect with us on Facebook. Good morning. Welcome to church on Sunday morning. You alive and well? You happy to sit beside the person you're sitting with? Good, because you can't move now. It'd be awkward. Uh, Isaiah chapter 9, we are uh, kicking off our Christmas series here, and uh, so glad you've joined us. There's a lot of preparations underway. I know there's uh, uh, many things we have to do, can do, need to do, but uh, thanks for making this a priority. And uh, what is Christmas if we don't centralize the heart and the reason uh, of it all, that uh, it is Jesus Christ, uh, the one who is, is worthy of all of our Praise. So we're looking in this series uh, today called uh, Everlasting as we kick off uh, Christmas, and our hope is over these next weeks leading up to Christmas, that we'll just have a fresh perspective of the love of God and the significance of what it means that Jesus came as a babe born in a manger uh, to redeem us, and uh, we can we can celebrate that. I'm going to look at Isaiah chapter nine, a common place this this time of year. You may have heard this. In fact, we sung. Some of this, why don't you stand with me today as we look at this text? Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah is speaking to the people as they're in a dark place, a difficult moment. Um, and uh, he's speaking hope, because how many know it doesn't matter how dark it gets, hope is still always available and in front of us because of the grace of God. Here's what he says in verse 2 of Isaiah chapter 9 For the people who walk in darkness will see. A great light, which by the way, as I'm reading this, if you agree with that, this would just be a, a spot for you that as we're reading this and something that you agree with to just say amen. Uh, just because I, I, this is hard to read and just be like, oh, that's a nice story. Uh, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. This is significant because God is saying it looks like uh, uh, the the enemy is going to come and oppress you. And yes, Assyria is going to come, but I want you to know you will enlarge the territory. Whatever the enemy takes from you is nothing compared to what God is going to return and restore and give. How many believe the latter is greater in, in God's working in his kingdom? He says you will expand. Man, that's a good word. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will be burned because they won't be needed anymore because the prince of peace rules He says that they will be fuel for the fire. Verse six, you say all this is happening and here's the reply. How do we, what's the guarantee? How do we know this? You promise that we'll expand. You promise that we'll have victory. You promise that there'll be peace. How do we know this? Here's why. For unto us, a child is born. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. His government and his peace will never end. Somebody say amen. If you know the word of God is faithful and true. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are an everlasting God with an everlasting rule and you've given us an everlasting covenant. I pray that it would come alive in our hearts and God, that we would, we would allow your work to be done. Do in us what you desire, we pray today. 
Holy Spirit, change us from the inside out. Give us fresh perspective. We pray this in Jesus' name. If you agree with that today, would you shout amen? Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want to uh, just for, as we kick off this this series, I want to just share uh, from this title, Peace Child, that uh, God has come to give us peace and he guarantees it with a child. And uh, I want to just start off by telling a, a story that you maybe have heard, but it, a story that's been turned into a book. In 1962, there were uh, missionaries in their early or late 20s as they traveled. Don and Carol Richardson, they left Canada, uh, their home, and uh, they called, were called to missions. And in 1962, they went to what is now Papua New Guinea in, in the area of, of, uh, of, of the islands there. But at the time, under Dutch uh, Netherlands, that area uh, they went to this village, to an area where there were tribes, and literally headhunters, cannibals, and war, warring tribes, just a difficult region, a place that they knew the gospel had not yet been. They knew God had called them. They got saved at the age of 17, said yes to Jesus, and now 10 years later, were, were giving everything and taking their family to a remote area in 1962 to serve among a Stone Age tribe that was not only violent because of cannibalism, but also in the jungles deep with malaria and and just the other diseases that had overtaken. And and they had made themselves subject to this surrounding. They arrived with their seven-month-old baby. They ride in on on prop plane that that lands on the water. And then they take a just miles of, of journey riding on these launch boats into the deep jungle. They're being taken by other, uh, other tribal leaders who, and people who had agreed to take them into the Sali tribe. The Sali tribe were, were the, the people that were deep in the jungle. They had heard of Tuans, who, what they called white people, that if you got a Tuan who would come into your, into your village, that it could help because the Tuan has medicine and resources and things that actually make it better for people. And so they welcomed the Tuan. So they knew that when they arrived, they would welcome them. They set up their home right there along the river in this village, the Sali tribe, as they served them. Carol was a trained, and, uh, uh, a trained nurse, and so she had given herself with a call to serve the people medically. So she would nurse them and, and be able to care for their needs and, and malaria and things that they would, they would deal with. She brought penicillin with her. And in fact, it was provided by the government because they, the government knew at that time, the, the Dutch government knew that they were going in to that area and it was such a savage area that no one wanted anything to do with it. The government didn't show up. The government didn't do anything. But the government said, if you're going, we'll at least give you a supply of medicines and resources to take with you. And so they would serve the people and the people began to, to love the Tuans who had come among them, Don and, and Carol Richardson with their seven-month-old baby, they, they had moved into the area, made it home. She was loving on the people, serving their medical needs, and Don made it his part to learn the language. His call and his desire was to learn the language, to spend time with the men and to, to point the things and figure out what is this. There, there was such a, uh, such a Stone Age tribe that they didn't even have a language that was written or anything of a dictionary. They had nothing that was structured in their language. He gave himself to learn the language to tell them about Jesus. They loved the two ones because they gave them medicine 
And they also loved the tuons because when Don would have them work with them, he would bring them resources that they would get shipped in and things that would, that would come in on a boat. And some of these things were metal tools. Imagine what it was for a Stone Age people. It's a lot easier to cut down a tree with metal than it is with a stone. And so they literally loved the tuons being among them. And Don made it his point to share the gospel. And as he learned the language, he began to communicate the best he could. One day working with a group of men, he began to tell them about Jesus. And he's setting the story of Jesus and, and Judas. And, and he's setting it up to display Jesus as the hero who willingly gave himself in a sacrifice and surrender. As he's talking about Judas betraying Jesus with a kiss, all of a sudden, the men in the, in the village or in the area where he's talking, they begin to chuckle and, and laugh under their breath and laugh with one another. Don recognized this wasn't the reaction he was expecting to talk about Jesus willingly giving himself. He speaks later with one of the leaders to find out that the reason they laugh is because in their culture, Jesus was the fool and Judas was the hero. Because their culture was whoever could trick the best and whoever could, whoever could manipulate and whoever could make things work in their favor, that was the real hero. Hero, And whoever they took advantage of, that's the fool. And in their culture, Jesus was the fool and Judas was the hero. Don thought, how will we ever share the gospel when their culture doesn't even understand the, the sacrifice, the love of God and what he gave? And so they did everything they could to love on them with medicine and resources, getting to know them, but hoping and praying that one day they could share the gospel. Don had made it a point to share even among other tribes that were in the area and recognize or realize that not all the tribes got along. I mean, if they celebrated Judas, who was a backstabber, I mean, their culture probably didn't have that high of standards. And so they didn't get along with other tribes because they were headhunters, cannibals, and they would remember when someone took someone else's family or from another tribe and they held that and they didn't like the other tribes. But Don Richardson made it a point to tell them, we will stay among your people, but we are here for everybody, not just for the Sali tribe and not just for another tribe. We're here for everybody. So everyone needs to get, to get along. And they all did what they could. And so he would share the gospel as best he could, trying to find a way to reach these barbaric, savage, stone age people. He's wanting to love them with the love of Jesus. Finally, as these tribes move closer, because how many realize that whenever resources are in one center, people start to move around the resources? Well, the resource were the tuons who brought the medicine and the, the tools and the resources around them. So these other tribes began to move closer. Well, the closer they got, it became on their territory. And there began attacks that would rise up and fighting that would take place. And now here is Don and Carol with their now three children. After these years of being in the jungle with the people, they're in the, the, the situation of, of trying to share the gospel. And now their family's being threatened by attacks that happen outside their door and tribal wars and things that were taking place because they couldn't get along Don and Carol had done everything they could do and they recognized that it wasn't worth the resources because the medicine was starting to be used up now because medicine had to be used to, to, to minister to the wounds of the people who were fighting and it wouldn't, wasn't available to the people who were sick because of nothing of their own doing. And so because they had to serve medicine to the people who were fighting, they knew the resources couldn't continue and so they made a decision. They didn't want to, but the decision they had to make was they said to the tribes, tomorrow morning we have to 
leave. We can't stay. Our family is in danger. You're using up the resources. This is not the best use of our, of our time and our resources. We're going to relocate. The Sali tribal leader came to him and said, Don, give us one day. He said, give us one day. If we can't make peace, then we understand you have to leave. But give us one day. They waited that night. The next morning, the Richardsons wake up and there is a gathering of people who are in the, the area. They go to see what is taking place and as they get closer, say to one of the tribal leaders what, what's going on and they said, this is a peace ceremony. And in this peace ceremony, he sits back and he watches and he watches as a young man carries a child through the crowd from the Sali tribe and crosses over into enemy territory. Don says, what's going on? The leader said to him, said, this is peace for our people. Anybody can say words, but if they know you're serious, you bring a sacrificial act. And for our culture, that is a male child, two years or under, and you bring that child and you give that child from one tribe to the other, entrusting that child to the other tribe to raise as their own. And when you bring a child to the other tribe, it says that you are serious about making peace. And Don watched as this man was carrying. They found out later that this young man, they had gone through the village the night before to see if there was anyone willing to give a male child you see, typically in the few occasions that this was done, it was usually from a man who had more than a few children. They said this was the first time in history of their tribe that the man who gave a peace child was a man who had only one son. This young man gave his one and only son because the value of peace and the resources they had he gave his son to live among a warring tribe. And in return, the warring tribe gave a son to them. They said, this is the peace child. At that moment, not only was peace made for the tribes and history now changed because those people are now sharing the gospel. The Sali tribe are now sharing the gospel throughout that entire area. They are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. But that day, Don Richardson knew that this was the moment to share the gospel. And in that moment, he shared with them, there was a peace child who came to this earth and one who was given. And because of that sacrifice, we know that there is a promise. And you could say, how do you know we can have peace? We can have joy. We can have hope. We have a promise for the future. How do we know? For unto us, a child is born, a son is given, and the government, the, the, everything of existence hinges upon him. How do we have this guarantee? It's the peace child. This peace child came and changed everything. He changed everything the moment he came into our world and it gave us something that we could now not just live with a hope of something to change, but it was the promise that things will change. Why? Because this was not just any other, not just another child. This was a child born of a virgin from a place not our own, just like the warring tribe that knew. How do we know they're serious about peace? Because they gave us one of their own. 
They brought their own. They took one who was not among us and gave from them and put among us. That was Jesus to us, that he was not born of a, of a, of a woman like you and I. He was not born a sinful slave and t- taken by sin. He was born the perfect lamb of God. And because he came, he is a sacrifice and a promise that gives us a guarantee. What is that guarantee? The the, the guarantee is what we would call a covenant. Everything we live on is on a a level of covenant. Covenant is what makes the world go round. It's how you have relationships. It's how you do business. It's how we have governments. There's this, this contractual agreement. There is this understanding of we make a promise. There are parties that come into agreement and the word covenant literally means a coming together. And that by coming together, we make an agreement, we set stipulations, and those stipulations give about the expectations of what we can, what we can carry out because we agree to this and we'll uphold this. And because we're doing this, we can move forward in good relationship. You see, God came to make a covenant with you and I. God created you and I because he loves us. Sin entered the world. Sin broke our relationship with God. But God didn't come up with a plan B. He had plan A from the very beginning. And what is the hope? For unto us a child is born. He has given this hope. Now here's what you and I have to realize, that a covenant is something that we have the closest thing that we would have to a tight covenant, a binding covenant on this earth would be marriage. Marriage is is in, in the level of covenant that we have with Christ, the covenant or agreement that we have is not just a business contract. It's not just a an agreement to do business together. How many know you're not married your marriage is not a business contract? If it is, you need to work on your marriage. This isn't a this isn't a contractual agreement, it's a commitment to love like Christ. Is there anybody in the room who's still learning to love like Christ? Just four of us, okay. The rest of you have it all down. There is this covenant that sets apart. Here's what the covenant, the love that God gives us. The covenant is built on this. It's a divine covenant. It's not a covenant of man. Because how many know man breaks covenants? Even in our best attempt, we're not perfect. So man is not able to uphold the covenant except by God's grace. But here's what God's covenant says. God's covenant is divine. And because it's divine, it means it's immutable. And because it's immutable, it means it never changes. How many know the promise that God made? No matter what wars rise up, no matter what tension, no matter what situation, what pestilence, whatever happens, how many know nothing will change the promise of God that he's made for the earth? that the promise of God will never change. It's immutable. Here's the other thing. It's unconditional. And because it's unconditional, it's not based on any standard of our performance. It's unconditional. And the unconditional means that God loves us regardless of us. Oh, come on. How many know that is something of amazement? It's also merciful. And here's what merciful means. It means we don't deserve it. How many recognize the covenant, the relationship we have with God? The covenant that he's given to us is a relationship that we have that it will never change and he'll never stop loving us and we don't deserve it. How many are thankful for the everlasting covenant that God has made with you and I? This is the covenant that he's brought to us. Isaiah 55, he says this to the people, come to me with your ears wide open. Listen and you will find life. You will find life if you come to him. What is this life? He says that you'll have life and life everlasting. And here's what he promises. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all 
the unfailing love that I promised to David. Here's this, this promise that he makes to us. The text that we read says that there are people who live in darkness. And the reason they're in darkness is because Assyria is about to overtake them. You see, God's people from the very beginning were created in the image and the perfection, the place of God. But right from the very start, sin entered the world. And from the very beginning, man has been looking for a way for hope to enter. Because ever since Genesis chapter 3, God promised this to the, said to the serpent that there will be a woman, the woman will have an offspring and the offspring will come forth and that offspring will crush your skull even though you'll strike his heel, that there'll be an offspring. We, the earth has been waiting for this Messiah, for this one to come. Christmas is significant because the Messiah has come. Here's the good news. The good news is that even though Assyria is coming, God says you still got ground to take, you still have new victories to walk in and you still have provision that I'm gonna provide for you or peace that you're gonna have everlasting. I, it doesn't matter what your darkest moments are in the darkest places that you've ever been because the Messiah has come, there is always hope that is in front of you. There is an everlasting hope and an everlasting, co everlasting covenant that God has made with us. This hope that we have is not temporary, it's eternal. And how do we know? Because unto us a son is, that we have this arrival of this one who has come that this covenant becomes something that is crucial and this child being born changed everything. This child gave us this everlasting covenant. Before the child came, before Jesus came, it was all in hiding. It was this hope that one day it's going to come by faith, one day it's going to come and here it is. And here's how Jesus changed everything. He changed everything because now there's a second covenant, a new covenant. It's not because the first one is just done away with. It's that Jesus fulfilled it. And because Jesus fulfilled it, how many know you don't need it anymore? It's not done away with. It's not, it's not where it doesn't, it doesn't work. No, Jesus fulfilled it. And because Jesus fulfilled it, now we don't live under this covenant. We live under the new covenant. We now have a new covenant that is with Christ. Here's what Christ has changed. In, in, this, in this process of what he's made possible in our lives, this covenant has made for us significance. And here's why it's significant, because God made a covenant with himself. The reason it's an everlasting covenant is because God didn't make it with you and I. He made it with himself for you and I. The, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter six, there was God's promise to Abraham. Here's his promise to Abraham. Since there, were no, since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name saying, I will certainly bless you and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. He took an oath in his own name. Do you know what gets the heart of God? The name, his name. That's what Moses said when he, when, when he pleaded for the people of Israel, when they, had, when they had sinned against God. He said, for the sake of your name. How many know in the name of Jesus moves everything? That's why when we pray, we pray in Jesus' name because it's in his, it is his name for the sake of his name, the power of his name. And so for the sake of his name on the earth, he will prevail and he will work. It's the power of his name. He swore to himself because there was no one greater than him. And so the significance of Jesus being born is that Jesus left heaven, came to earth, became one of us and becoming one of us in flesh the God in flesh, he was able to die 
a penalty to pay the price on our behalf. His blood, that cutting, made a, made a covenant now, and that covenant was not made with man. He was not just another man who died. He was the only son of God, the perfect lamb of God. He's not the only person to ever die on the cross, but he is the only one to get up and rise out out of the grave. He is victorious. He is the perfect lamb and the sacrifice. When we know the child that came to change everything, it changes perspective and allows us to see in the midst of where we are, the hope and glory that God has in front of us. Here's what this covenant means. Now we're in relationship with God because of Jesus Christ. This covenant now that is new, it allows us to go from works to grace. This covenant has gone from works to grace. The covenant made with Abraham, God had a covenant from the very beginning. God never interacts with anybody without a covenant. That's how he interacts with people. That's how everything is set in motion. Here was his covenant. The Bible says this, that Jesus was slain from the foundations of the world. From the very beginning, God had a covenant. His covenant was there's a standard and an agreement and we're, this is our agreement of how this is going to flow and how this is going to work. Then he comes to, then he, of course, as he creates man, he has a covenant with Adam. How many know that didn't last too long? Who knows how long it lasted? But Adam, don't eat of the fruit. You can eat of any fruit, but not that one. Adam eats of that fruit. He broke the covenant. He gives a covenant with Abraham. He gives a covenant, and this covenant that keeps going, here's what he gave the covenant with Moses. He gave the law, and these, these become works. It becomes stuff that, that we have to, have to abide by, that the covenant that was made is something that requires obedience and perfection. And it's obedience and perfection, but how many have found out none of us have the ability to keep the law because none of us are perfect, which is why Jesus enters in and now we don't have a covenant of works. Now we have a covenant of grace. This covenant of grace now changes this whole perspective and it's not just grace, it's sovereign grace. And why that's significant is it's sovereign because God is contained and self-contained and, and all in himself. God does not need you and I. He wants you and I. This is not a needs. Works is what I need to do. This is not works. This is grace. And because God is sovereign in grace, his sovereignty, he does not need you and I, but he invites you and I to be a part of what it is that he's doing, that this covenant is not built on works. Jesus came with the covenant of grace. Paul gives the illustration, the difference between these in Galatians chapter four. He says this, these two women serve as an illustration of God's two covenants. The first woman, Hagar, represents Mount Sinai where people have received the law that enslaved them. And now Jerusalem is just like Mount Sinai in Arabia because she and her children live in slavery to the law. But the other woman, Sarah, represents the heavenly Jerusalem. She is the free woman and she is our mother. Here's the difference. There are those who are born under Hagar. That's a slave woman. And then when they're born under the slave, uh, as slaves, how many know you're under the same law of slavery? And so when you and I are born of the womb of our mothers, we are born into slavery. But there is another that was born of a free woman. Jesus came and his freedom came. Now we are born one time in the flesh and we're, we're slaves. But how many know when we're born again? That's why Jesus said, unless a man or a person is born again, they cannot enter into heaven. What is that born again? It's coming into covenant and agreement and recognize I can't work my way because my works are slavery. I can't do it, but I can receive the gift of eternal life because you've already paid the price for me. So I'm no longer born of the slave. I'm now set free by the blood of Jesus Christ.
Christ, I have liberty in him. That's the gospel message. That because Jesus came, now there is a line of salvation that's been, been made available for you and I. That we can receive the life of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the covenant that came from Abraham is characterized by promise and law. They go together. God made a promise and there's a law to uphold the promise. If you have a promise without a law, you don't have anything. The law is what makes the promise steady or sturdy. It gives it weight. Without standards and law, you don't have a promise. The same way as this. If you have truth, but everybody gets to pick their own truth, how many know you don't have? There's nothing to uphold it. So there has to be standards. So you have the, the promise that God gives and there's the law. But here's the other thing that goes with the promise and the law is also connected with grace and obedience. Now, grace and obedience, this is not works because we are not saved by works. We are only saved by grace. And because I'm saved by grace, the important thing of grace is that now grace does not mean I get to do whatever I want. Grace does not mean I can ignore the law. Grace means that God has given me now the power to live in the fulfilling work of Jesus Christ. I am made perfect through the blood of Jesus Christ. And when I recognize what Christ has done for me, that transforms me from the inside out. When I know the price, when I know what he has made possible because of the work that he's done. There's, there's, I live by grace. His grace is sufficient for me. I am saved by grace alone. But this grace that God gives me is empowerment now to walk in step with Jesus. And now my delight is in him. The Bible says this, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. If our desires are not in the right direction, it's because our delight is not set in the right place. Whatever you delight in is what you'll find desires for. Whatever you delight in is what you'll find desire for. And if our desire needs directed, it's delighting ourselves in the Lord that we can walk in the grace that God has given us. Here, here's number two. This is what happened under, under the covenant of grace and this new covenant because the peace child has come. Number two, we went from thou shalt to I will. It, it, it takes us from, I, from thou shalt or shalt not, shall not to I will. God's covenant to man is an assurance of God as the great I am. Remember what Moses said to God when God said, go, I, I want you to, at the burning bush, he says, set my people free. Go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses says, well, who will I tell him is sending me? Who, in whose authority, whose name? And the Lord says, I am. I love what he says to him. He gives this perspective or he puts it in context. And he says, I heard the cry of your ancestors. I am with you and I will lead you to the land that I promised. Right there in his name, when he said, I am, and then he gives him the description, he says, I am. I am the God who's with you in the past. I'm the God who's with you in the present. And I'm the God who's going with you in the future. Wherever you go, wherever you've been, I am. I am with you. And because he is, because he's in us, it gives us the ability to go from shall not to I will. And here's the significance. Jeremiah 31 says this, but this this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days. If you remember, when the first covenant was made, God sent Moses down with the tablets. And what did the tablets say? Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Thou shalt have not, thou shalt, thou, how many know it's a bunch of thou shalt? But here's what he says the new covenant is. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord, which those days, the day of Jesus coming. He says, I will put my instruction 
deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Notice what he says there. I will. I'll deepen it in their hearts. I'll write it on them. I will be their God. When we are in Christ in the new covenant, he puts those desires in us. He begins to transform us from the, inv- from the inside out. It becomes this invitation to do life with him. He takes us from thou shalt to I will. My, um, uh, uh, this desire, if somebody were to say to you, hey, let's go for lunch, I'll buy. How many would say, that sounds like a great idea? Have you ever done this, though? Somebody says, hey, this is for you. And you say, no, I can't take that. I don't want that. Is there anybody that can relate to, I feel this too, that sometimes it's hard to receive things from people? Holy Spirit worked on me with that. Because, and I think sometimes when somebody's willing to give, I realize I don't deserve it. And because I don't deserve it, I recognize it's a free gift but there's a problem with I don't deserve it. Because I don't deserve it means this is free, but I don't deserve it also means if I don't recognize the worth, then I won't receive what's been given to me. There are some people not receiving what Christ has given freely because in the back of your head, you're still saying I don't deserve it. I'm not good enough. Can I tell you? If somebody's offering you something free, you already know you didn't earn it. And if you didn't earn it and they want to give it to you, you could say, no, I don't deserve it. I'm not going to receive it. I don't want it. The problem with that is in my relationship with Christ. If I recognize it's a free gift, but I don't receive it because I don't feel like I'm worth it, do you realize he didn't do it because you, were, because you were worth it in yourself? He did it because even in your sin, while you were still sinner, Christ loved you, Christ died for you. He saw worth in you, not when you got your act together, not when you got things right. He saw work, worth in you right in your very situation of where you are right now. You say, Jason, I'm at the lowest point I've ever been. His worth never changed. His worth and the value that he has in you never change. That he loves you, not because of of anything you can do. Thou shalt not. Oh, you've already messed up, thou shalt not. But here's what we're under. He says, I will. And when you come under the I will, you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Now he transforms us from the inside out. Here's the last thing. He takes us from being written on stone to now being written on the heart. Here's what he says to Jeremiah. He says, I will write my laws on their heart. Paul then in the New Testament says, I know in, in, the, in Corinthians, he's talking to the people, the church. He says, I don't need a letter of recommendation from anybody because my letter is you. Your life is like a letter with God's love and God's provision written on your hearts. You are the letter of God's love and God's law. It's already on your heart. How many know when it gets on your heart? It has an effect on you. It transforms us from the inside out. Jaron is, our son is in Los Angeles and they're not able to come home for Christmas so we're already making those plans of, you know, getting gifts for them and sending them out and I was talking to him yesterday and, and uh, said there's, there's a package gonna be showing up. Make sure it gets in time for Christmas. You're gonna find it on your door. Don't open it. It's a gift for you guys. Don't open it. He says to me, he says, Dad, you know, 
I found out that this is more fun at Christmas buying for people than buying for yourself than getting gifts. He said, I guess that's why it's better to give than to receive. And so we have the conversation. Then I say to him, well, wait till kids come along. It wasn't a subtle hint or anything. It was just that idea of wait till kids come along. And and we're having the conversation. And I said to him, I said, there's something different about buying gifts because it's Christmas. And it's not just buying gifts because, well, it's what we do this time of year. It's buying gifts because the person I'm buying for has my heart. The, The person I'm getting for has my heart. And because my heart is engaged, it's not just, well, why are you doing this? Well, it's Christmas. Why am I getting that for them? It's Christmas. Now, that's a reason, sure. But my heart and my desire, it's not because it's Christmas. It's because they're mine. I want to show them. I want to reveal to them. I want my heart to belong to them. They're written on my heart. I wonder today, has your earthen vessel received her king? joy to the world let earth receive her king have you received the king the one who says i'll make a covenant and an agreement with you well how i know i can trust you because i'm giving you the best i've got my one and only son i'm leaving my throne i'm coming to your world i'm going to make a covenant with myself and i'm going to back it up with my own provision does it get any better than that that this God who says wherever you walk and my heart is heavy in this season because I've got friends who are close to me who have lost loved ones to COVID and I know in this season my heart is heavy there's a fellow pastor that, 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 I, that I know kids the same age as mine he passed away just last week from COVID my, my heart is heavy and I say oh God we pray to you we believe you we trust you and in the midst of that what do we say oh but you've made an everlasting covenant I know COVID may have done something but the covenant you made is greater so in the midst of my situation what am I going to do I'm going to give my heart to the one who is I'm going to keep giving my heart to the one who is the everlasting father the prince of peace the government that has no end the one who is and is to come the one who will always be I'm going to keep saying you've got my heart on this Christmas season just weeks before Christmas have you made covenant and received covenant with God would you stand with me all across this room and today the king has given his best a peace child has come and there's a peace child have you received the covenant that agreement you say well how do I receive that you don't work for it you come under the one who says I will you come to the one who says I will and because he will we willingly give our lives and why do I give him my heart not because it's Sunday but because he's written he's written himself in my heart I know who he is my heart belongs to him and now I recognize he's wonderful he's counselor he's mighty God he's everlasting father and he's prince of peace how do I know I can trust him because unto us a child is born and a son is given come on will you receive